Poland sits smack dab in the middle of what many refer to as Western Europe and Eastern Europe. The pitfalls of such a central location in Europe are very apparent, as throughout its history Poland has been occupied by both its western neighbor Germany and its eastern neighbor Russia multiple times. The pinnacle of these incursions was during World War II, when both Germany and the Soviet Union invaded Poland at the same time and carved up her territories between themselves. The death toll among Poles was staggering. No country lost more of its citizens during World War II. Nearly one-fifth of the population was wiped out, half of which were Jews, specifically targeted by the Nazis. The population of Poland would not rebound until the 1970s, as Poland slowly rebuilt as a member nation of the Soviet bloc. Perhaps there was no better indicator of this recovery than on the world footballing stage. In 1974, Poland qualified for the first World Cup in over 35 years and finished in third place, only losing the semifinal match to eventual champions West Germany. It was no fluke. They'd finish in the top five in the next two World Cups. But towards the late 1980s and early 1990s, as Poland reconfigured itself from a communist country as part of the Soviet Union to an independent and capitalist society, they took a step back as a footballing nation. From 1990 onwards, they only qualified for two World Cups, both group stage exits. But perhaps now is the time for a new resurgence, as this nation has transformed itself into one of the strongest economies in Europe, and so too has its football team transformed itself into a top team on the world stage. They'll enter the 2018 World Cup as a pot one team, ranking in the top 10 on FIFA's rankings. Perhaps the conditions are now right for this nation to begin another long streak of success. This week on Joe Picks a World Cup Team, Poland. Excited to be back talking about Poland. We're back. It's been a little bit of a break, but before when we did the double header, the idea was to do two in one week to sort of catch up. But, but, instead, but then the double header just kills our energy. That's the, the, double, the double header is so hard. We're still on on schedule though, but we didn't gain any time. So it's fine. I feel like I had to gear up for Poland. This is a big one. I think th- today we've got a great double header in store in Poland and Argentina. Because I'll tell you, coming into this. Obviously, we'll get to Argentina in the second half of it. Argentina and football, I think, are synonymous. But Absolutely. As I said in the intro, you literally, if you had said what pot was Poland in, I would have guessed the pot one would have been my last guess of all four. I, I would have guessed they were more likely a pot four team than a pot one team. Yeah, you don't like think of Poland as a footballing country, especially as you would Argentina or even many of Poland's neighbors. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it is it is interesting, though. They're, they're kind of rigged the uh, the FIFA world rankings like they're still we'll, we'll get into it more. They're 
a very weak pot one team, but but they're, they're still but they're not a pot four team, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah, they're the, still they're, they're still are, way up there. They're a legitimate team, and um, yeah, look who's talking. Our country didn't even make the World Cup, so I know, like, I know. So it, it's um, I, I I thought it was going to be there was going to be less meat here than there is, but but I think this is going to be a really great episode. I think especially for a lot of people, and as I said, this is a team that's only been in two World Cups in the last like thirty years, and they eliminate in the group stage. So this really is going to be their best performance. I mean, as if it goes to to predictions in forty years. So I think it's a really exciting time for this particular team. There's also Dan. I think this is our first country that we're talking about that I can trace some of my genealogy to. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean the Ashkenazi Jewish side was, I mean, straight out of Poland. Yeah, I mean a lot of Jews were. I, I think the one third of the entire worldwide population of Jews or something lived in Poland uh, prior to World War II. How did that How did that work out for them? Oh, Joe, <laughs> it, it was as I was researching it. It's just the the, the numbers are just staggering. It is yeah. it's quite sad, and um, I mean, it, it's just unbelievable when d- during World War II, what World War II did to this country. Because as I said in the beginning, um, World War uh, Poland lost more of its population than any other country, but only ten percent of those lost were actually in the armed forces. Ninety percent were just. Polish I mean, citizens, yeah. They were just citizens who were just happened to live in the wrong place at the wrong time and be the wrong thing. And they were, and it wasn't just the Germans. The Soviet Union was doing the same thing too. Not, I mean, not not to the same degree, but it, it was not a good place to be during World War II. Yeah, and Poland is sort of like in the middle of all that. Like, I mean, literally and and figuratively in the middle of all of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, on a later note, Dan, what are we drinking? Yeah, so I'm back. Back on the horse here. I'm very excited. Nice. I'm, and my health has has rebounded, and I was very excited. I, I sent to you about a week ago. I went to beverages and more, and I thought, oh, I'm already here. Let's see if I can get these drinks. And I assumed it was going to be, you know, for Costa Rica or the other nations. We've had some trouble getting these drinks, regardless totally. of what country we're in. And I thought, oh, it's this Polish vodka. There's no way they're going to have this specific brand of Polish vodka. I was wrong. Beverages and more had multiple bottles of the Polish vodka Zabrowka. And the drink we are supposed to be drinking is we were given two options. And I'm actually drinking both of them right now. Option number <laughs> one is just Zabrowka straight. Just apparently in Poland, it's a very common thing. You're just drinking vodka, have some nice meat to go along with it. So, you know, you take a bite, have a little sip of vodka, boom. That's what I've got in glass A. And in glass B, I've got a drink known as the um, Zarlatka cocktail, or the Polish apple pie, which is Zabrowka vodka mixed with one part Zabrowka vodka, two parts apple juice, shake it up, and garnish with cinnamon and mint leaves. That's interesting. That's a very, like, fall drink. I like it. Yeah, and I'm telling you, I'm enjoying mine quite a it's bit, good. Joe. All right, well, save it for the drink rating. All right, Dan, cheers. How do you say cheers in Polish? Do you know? I don't. Hold on, let me look it up. Did you get All the right, proper? Dan, ready? Did you get the proper Polish vodka, Joe? No, but I have vodka. Oh no. Well, Dan, Dan. Before we cheers, one thing I have to say about this particular type of vodka: it's not flavored like you know some vodkas are flavored like cherry or whatever. 
The flavor is bison grass. I saw that in the, in the image you sent me. Yeah. Does it taste... Wait, now, wait. Does bison grass taste like bison or taste like grass? Well, I think... Here, let me... Um, I'll take a sip of my straight vodka one here. Because I'll tell you, that drink with the apple juice and cinnamon is just incredible. But let's... I, I didn't... I just thought it was vodka. I didn't know that was an option. I'm going to mix up one of those. Hmm. Wow. This is my first taste of it. It is, just out of this glass straight, it tastes so sweet for vodka. Like, knowing this is vodka, vodka normally has that very harsh taste to it. Yep. I think it is, it's definitely not a a bison flavor. It might be a grass flavor if that grass were sweet and delicious. Maybe it's a type of grass that bisons eat. Yeah, like yeah. Like to keep I, them like plump and juicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what it is. It's it's the bison. It's the the special type of grass. The that bison grass grows yeah. in Poland. Yeah, Got I'll it. tell you, this is this is fabulous on its own. I this really tastes very different from other types of vodka, and I understand why. That's why I was when I saw it in Bevmo. I thought if they were bringing this all the way from Poland, the special bison it's grass be flavor. Special. Yeah, it's got to be special. And I, I'll say, I, I think it is. Dan, ready for our Polish cheers? Let's do it. Nazdrovia. Nazdrovia. <sighs> oh, that's great. Well, I'm very excited for my two drinks. I'm very excited to be back on the horse. Hopefully, I'll keep it together through our doubleheader. But, Joe, <laughs> before we get into Poland, we do have a bit of housekeeping to do. I- I'll say our-, our podcast, we got off to a booming start, Joe. We got all the reviews. Everything was going so high, but I'll tell you, I feel like some of our NFL fans sort of didn't come along with us on the journey. Which is natural. It's natural. No problem. But I think now we're starting to get a a new class of listeners, some momentum. And dare I say a higher class of listener, Joe? You know, football is a very international sport, so certainly I'd say so. International sport. It's a a more intellectual sport than than NFL football. Not like the brutal slugfest of players, you know, getting concussed left and right. Yeah. And, And look... Yes, in our football podcast, I did correctly predict the Super Bowl was going to be the Patriots and the Eagles. So I have this intimate knowledge of NFL football. But at the same time, we're really expanding <laughs> our minds with this podcast, which I'm Absolutely. very excited about. And so, A, our mailbag is starting to really open up. So we've got a lot of mailbag entries. But I'd also like to note, for any people out there, I have purchased advertising on Reddit. So I saw the Reddit ad. It, it adver- it, I was in the target demographic that you selected. You saw, yes. I bought out all of the soccer-related Reddits, and I'm now just posting an ad in all of them. So far, I've spent about $25, and that $25 <laughs> has bought 100 clicks. And of those 100 clicks, I believe 10 people have at least downloaded one episode. So Totally worth it. Well, I'm, I'm keeping it going, you know? Whatever, Joe. I'm, I'm spending, you know, a few dollars a day. This is how ridiculous this podcast is. In addition to wasting all my time, I'm, it's going to eventually waste all my money. You're now wasting real money on it. Wasting <laughs> real money. To get users that when we do the third season, Joe picks a sandwich, we're going to have to find a whole new type of person. I mean, it's... Well, I mean, I actually think that, that, that soccer fans will transition to the sandwich theme much easier than football fans transition to soccer. It is true because you're right. The sandwich is a much more international situation. Different ingredients from all around the world, different uh, compositions. 
Yeah, I mean, invented by the Earl of Sandwich. Of, of course. I mean, yeah. at the very beginning, it's an international yeah. thing. Whereas Absolutely. football, it, it's so pedantic. It's, it's so, American. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, not even in the World Cup. But anyways, speaking of the mailbag, which I've been uh, beefing up for all this time, let's... Uh, oh, oh. I can't even get to the mailbag yet. I forgot. The poll questions, Joe. Wow. Overwhelming support. As I said, the, the numbers are really starting to, to creep up. And I think our poll question last week only got, you know, five or six responses. This week, blowing out of the water, three times that in the, the International Lounge, which is only available <laughs> to VIP members. So it, it, we'll, we'll tell you how to become a VIP member sometime during this podcast, if you're not already one. But if you are one, you know where it is. We asked two questions, Joe. The first one... Which do you prefer, canals or straits? Joe, who do you think won? This was a decisive victory. I mean, I would guess that it would be the canal because it's man-made and people like man-made things. Well, Joe, with your common intuition. (laughs) That's a sound effect when I get it right. By the way, right? the soundboard <laughs> software I bought came with the, that built-in sound effect. It's so good. So good. No. Incorrect, Joe. The straights won in a dominant performance. 66%, two-thirds of people went with straights. Only one-third went with canals. So, I mean, that makes me happy because I think straights is the right answer. Yeah. And we're going to get a little more in our mailbag, which we'll get to right after we read the poll results. We're going to get a little more context around straights and canals with some, uh, some useful information. Oh, fantastic. And then our second poll question, a contentious poll question that actually threatened to tear the audience of this podcast apart as we were building it. We took a risk. We asked who's better, Cristiano Ronaldo, who we featured in Portugal last week's episode, and of course, Lionel Messi, who's going to be featured later tonight in our Argentina episode. Joe, how do you think the people voted? Now, of course, for any first-time listener, we figured out the shocking revelation last time that Cristiano Ronaldo and myself, your humble podcasting host, share the exact same birthday to the birth, year. Birth hour, even, perhaps. We don't well, know. Well, no. But birthday. Birthday, definitely. Within our respective time zones. Oh, actually, that's a good point. With the time zone, was it even the same day? I'm just saying, within the way each of our countries... I mean, what is a day, Joe? Do, do you really... Is it... I mean, that's what time zones exist. philosophical question. Yeah. Uh, no, look, I mean, I think Ronaldo's the right answer. And given that our super fans got the right answers in the straight versus canal fight, I'm going to say they got it right again. They said Ronaldo. All right. That's Is right. that a bike? Is that a bike horn? That's a bike bell, yeah. <laughs> These sound effects on this new thing are great, Joe. <laughs> that, that one's bad. I oh, hold on. That. I just broke my vodka glass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. right. Oh, oh, jeez. All right. We're done. And yes, but it was it was uh, razor thin. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo won by one vote. So, oh my god, it was fifty three percent Ronaldo, forty seven percent Messi. So one thing is clear: we've got a very, very split audience here. Maybe after the next episode, you know, they'll be convinced otherwise. Yeah, I mean, we might have to ask the poll question again once we get the full information. But all right. We've got so much to do tonight. We've got the poll questions out of the way. We'll see what poll question comes up. But let's read our mailbag entry now. Note, there are going to be some mailbag entries specifically relating to that poll question and the great debate of Ronaldo versus Messi. Well, of course, I'm going to save those for the Argentina episode. Perfect. So for the Poland episode, we're just going to get 
our first email, our one email, from the very famous superfan of the NFL podcast, your friend Rob. Rob. Oh, back at it. Okay. Hey, guys. Sorry for the lateness of my reply. I was about to listen to the Australia episode and was excited to be caught up so I could email, only to have Dan's girlfriend tell me that I was two episodes behind. That's right. You've got to subscribe to the Joe Picks a World Cup yeah. feed. Another Just subscribe to the new feed, goddammit. Another boondoggle which has sharded our listenership in half, Joe. <laughs> this could not no, no. have done this thing any worse. I don't see it that way. We've now we've given our, our listeners multiple streams in which to enjoy our podcast. But it is true. One of the streams is behind the other one in a decision that I don't know why I keep doing it because it doesn't make sense, but I still persist in doing it. I should just sync up the streams, Joe. Cross the streams. We're consistent, if nothing else. <laughs> but all the Reddit people, at least, they're going to the new stream. All those paid. Hopefully, if you're listening to this right now and you click that Reddit ad, thank you. We're going to give you our money's worth. You're going to get the $2 worth of whatever. <laughs> but anyways, he continues. So my thoughts go all the way to the beginning of this series. He says it's ungodly long. Do some editing or put a timer on it. Well, we're, we've already failed miserably at that. <laughs> By now, I'm sure you've realized that emeritus means retired. Mm. Yeah, we don't care. We don't care. Well, I didn't know It that. sounds good. And since your fans are actively doing the work for you, they're the opposite of retired. But I'm sure you've also ignored your error because you like the pretentiousness of the work. You like the... Pre- look at it. He put work. He didn't even double check his thing when he's talking about oh, how we're pretentious. He has, a, he has a typo when he... He does. When he's, he's correcting our grammar with a typo? Come on. Correct. He says he liked the pretentiousness of the work emeriti. Great... Great point, Rob. God. Yeah, very eloquent, Rob. Thanks a lot. I think you missed an easy, relevant, and appropriate option, super supporters. Since no. you've switched from American football to international football, you could have easily switched the name for fans of one sport to fans of the other. Rob, there's a reason why you're not on the podcast. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, he's, his home country of Wisconsin does not have their own team, unfortunately. <laughs> How did you get through an entire Sweden episode without mentioning Zlatan even once? He's by far the most entertaining football player in the world. He speaks about himself in the third person, in the loftiest terms, great material to work with, amazing opportunity to have fun with accents, just a glaring missed opportunity, because after all, one thing is for sure, a World Cup, this is a quote from Zlatan, one thing is for sure, a World Cup without me is nothing to watch, so it is not worthwhile to wait for the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I mean, I think we said it, in that episode and multiple times when we talk about the player to watch, we're not talking about the star player. I'm surprised Zlatan never came up a single time. I'm sure he had a bunch of goals in qualifying. Yeah, that may have been an oversight. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about now, but also how come the quote that Rob sent wasn't in the third person? That's true. That's true. Come on. One thing is for sure. A World Cup without Zlatan. Yeah. Rob is, is really missing the mark with this email. In Dan's drunken Costa Rica episode, he went on a rant about how if the role was reversed and the U.S. could have thrown a meaningless last game to keep Mexico out of the cup, we would have done the same. Except that's the exact opposite of what happened in the last World Cup qualifying. The U.S. had already clinched and was playing Panama for their chance to get in the World Cup. As a U.S. loss would have kept Mexico out. And even though we were down 2-1 to one in the 83rd minute, we came back with two stoppage time goals to knock them out and get Mexico in. Heartbreaking. So if anyone deserved to break the U.S. hearts this year, it was Panama. Wow. Mm. Though, I mean, what I'd say is that, like, the U.S. team has proven itself to be fairly inept. So it's possible that we were trying to lose that match. (laughs) (laughs) Just did a terrible job at it. 
Yeah, that's the time that we win in the stoppage yeah. time when it yeah. doesn't matter and it actively helps Mexico. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So they were trying to like kick it out, you know, give themselves a corner, waste some time, and it just went in. Yeah. And then he continues, straits are a narrow body of water that separates two land masses. There are a lot of straits throughout the world, and the U.S. Navy just had a tragic accident in one of the busiest straits in the world, the Strait of Malacca. Oh, and canals are way cooler. One of the greatest marvels in modern engineering, no question. All right. Well, he's on the losing side, the canal side. The, the Rob side. I'm glad it lost. What, but he still didn't describe what the difference is between it. Is it just that a canal is man-made? Do we know that for certain now? Well, I know what a canal is. I just didn't know what a strait is. Yeah, canals are man-made. And, you know, I, I was upset with myself in the last episode that I didn't share the one shocking canal fact that I know. And now people are going to think I, like, looked it up in the meantime, but I swear I knew it before. Get ready to wow your friends. And as I say this, you're going to throw your phone at the ground or something in surprise. Okay, okay, my, okay wait. Wait, cue up that uh, breaking glass sound effect. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay joe you're going from the pacific ocean to the okay. atlantic ocean via the panama canal yeah pacific ocean to the atlantic ocean which direction are you traveling pacific ocean to the atlantic ocean you're traveling east so you would be traveling east because of course the pacific ocean is to the west of the atlantic ocean but you yeah. would be wrong if you are going through the Panama Canal to go from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean, you actually go west. Unbelievable. <laughs> now my phone's broken. <laughs> Explain yourself. <laughs> Explain yourself, Dan. How's that possible? You go west. If you look at the map, you'll see. I mean, look, everybody just pause the podcast, go open a map, and you'll see the Panama Canal. It's People think the Panama Canal goes... From it's like sort of like a straight line, but in in like from west east. But in fact, it it like goes, you go northwest basically to go from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, it, it it'll blow your mind. So just to see. Oh, how I guess it's I kind of see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So really, you're kind of going north. Yeah, you're going. It's you're definitely going more north, ah, but it's the, the prevailing direction. You're, you're definitely going west. North. Not east. Yeah. No, you're going northwest. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Boom. Mind blown. Through, through the Golfa de Panama. Of course. Golfa de Panama. Wow. That's yeah, that's that is fascinating. So so is it is it fair to say this was I think the the original question that was sparked that a canal is a man-made strait? Uh no, because <laughs> I think a strait is um is it is it fair to say that a strait no, is no, a no, no. canal that was made by nature? No, yeah, yeah. Okay. A natural canal. No, the the answer is definitely no. A canal is like a man-made road that's made of water. It doesn't actually matter because the Panama Canal like happens to connect two oceans, but there are canals that were made in the United States that just connect two cities. It it right. has n- it it or may like, or may not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Or like um or like the um uh canals in Venice. Right, aren't really straights. They're like roads. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, one final thing. God, this Rob is right now, in addition to this mind-blowing fact, he's just so annoyed that we've already gone this long. I haven't even reached the end of his email yet. Joe really dropped the ball with Portugal's atrocity level. 
They imported more African slaves into Brazil than the rest of the Americas combined. They also maintained slavery in Brazil far longer than any other European power, till the 1890s, I believe. It doesn't get much worse than Portugal. A three and a half was far too generous. Well, I mean, I didn't really drop the ball. That was our fan emeritus. I mean, I can't help. Super fan, fan emeritus, PhD, Josh, dropped the ball on that one. I'm calling offsides and not offsides. I just, I just call it like I see it. Yeah. And now he said, that's at the end of his email, he says, great work, learn how to edit. Thanks, Rob. You should learn how to, you know, uh, edit your fucking email, Rob. How about that? Bang. And he says, step up my drinking game. Well, I'm drinking two different Polish drinks right now, baby. So that's settled. That is the end of the mailbag for this episode. We'll have um, all, if you send in emails that were messy related, I'm reading them in second one. So you'll have to wait for that podcast. I'll read all the emails. And then one final thing, Joe. This is in the email section. This was in the email section, but it's going to come up naturally in the podcast. Category three used to be road to qualification, but we merged it into category one. However, your friend Emily thought about that maybe food and couponing was a relevant category. I mean, couponing is is very relevant. She has sent in food and couponing information for the two countries we're doing today so i don't think you should assign a score for it but i do think that in your deck of cards you should add back in the number three and we can do the the food and couponing section done deal i mean emily is gunning for fan emeritus status yeah as rob likes to call it i think she she deserves it and joe if you want to give a score you're free to do so it's just going to mess everything up uh well you know let's just let's talk about it and it might not go into my my it might not be an independent score, but it might inform maybe my score for like the rating of the drink or something. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Dan, I have some uh, fan feedback from our Morocco episode. Let's hear it. Okay. Interesting little bit tidbit of fan feedback about Morocco. Something that didn't come up on the podcast, but I think is just fascinating and worth mentioning. And I'm wondering if you came across it in any of your research. Did you know, Dan, that Morocco was the first world country to recognize the U.S. as an independent country. Wow. Wow. Oh, I did not know that. Back That's in amazing. like the 1770s. Okay. That's amazing. Here's the, here's the really fun fact about that. Can you guess why they would do that? Well, I've actually taken Superfan Josh's course on the growth of the American empire. And, my, and from what I learned in that class, the United States' first foray onto the international scene was in fact the the Barbary Wars, some the United States fighting pirates. So my, I would say that it probably has something to do with pirates. Maybe, I, well, I guess if there were pirates, they wouldn't be Moroccan. Maybe Morocco was also upset with pirates. Dan, you are on the nose. They were Moroccan pirates. I can't oh believe that God. you knew this. It was it was Moroccan pirates wanted to ransack and loot U.S. ships. But oh, and, and the, but U, didn't and want the U.S. To be an the U.S. War. paid them off. No, 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 no. no that might have been the second Barbary War. You're getting too far. No, they they wanted to attack and loot U.S. ships, but they didn't want it to be an act of war against Great Britain. So they said, <laughs> "We recognize the U.S. as an independent country. Now we can attack the fuck out of their ships." Well, there you go. There you go. No, I, I mean, uh, look. I, I can't believe it. You knew that it had to do with pirates. That's amazing. Well, I, I learned a lot from Josh's class. Yeah, that, I so, knew that was the, the first uh, big major international thing the U.S. did. The Barbary Wars. 
of which there were many. But it was very funny. I mean, this is the thing. One of the Barbary Wars ended when the U.S. basically was like, it's just cheaper for us to pay off the pirates to go away. (laughs) To bribe a bunch of pirates and get into these needless wars? And Well, it it was like how one of the wars ended. And then, of course, what happened is they paid off the pirates, and then the pirates went away for like five years, and they just came back. And then the U.S. actually had to, like, fight them. But That's why we can't just bribe ISIS. It doesn't work. Doesn't work. You can't negotiate with terrorists. But look... The U.S. eventually won those Barbary Wars, Joe, and that's why we're here today. All right, Dan, we're only an hour in, so we should start talking about uh, <laughs> Poland. Wait, what, what country are we doing again? <laughs> I don't know. Are there pirates involved? Otherwise, I don't want to talk about it. Look, why is Rob sending in these super long emails if he wants the episodes to be shorter? You know, come on. That's a great point. All right, so let's learn the details of this country in a little segment I like to call Homeland Handbook. We already talked about the background, so there's nothing more to know other than that they are in Central Europe, you know, right in between Western Europe and Eastern Europe. The people who live there, they are a Pole, a group of Poles who are all Polish. The language that is spoken, Polish. The religion, the predominant religion is Catholicism with nearly 90% of the population. As I said before World War II... Poland was one of the most multicultural nations uh, that was about, I think, 35% Jewish and about 50% Catholic with some other religions, but obviously that uh, changed at the end of World War II, and now it is the demographics have shifted uh, quite a bit. And the capital city is, of course, Warsaw. Now, everybody's favorite game, Joe guesses the chief export joe gets things wrong well maybe maybe not maybe this is a chance joe what is the chief export of poland well dan i i don't know much about poland that was it that's all i was gonna say no um i don't know much about poland i know there's like polish sausages are a thing uh which maybe we'll get to in in emily's section i when I picture Poland in my brain, I picture factories. And maybe that's because most of my experience with Poland is like World War II movies. But I picture lots of big factories, smokestacks. So I'm going to guess, I know this sounds like a cop-out because it's been the answer for a few countries, but I'm going to guess cars. I feel like they are a manufacturer of cars. Or at least they're manufacturing something and cars is what I can think of. Golazo, is that right? Golazo, golazo. It's cars. Yes. Is it cars? It is cars. Unbelievable. You you scammed the system, Joe. You figured it out. Just get cars for every one of them. Cars or fish. I almost wanted to do a non a, moving forward to just disqualify cars because it is bullshit because it's the answer to so many of them. So I also, other than cars, I also got the next two. So you've already got credit for it. You're already right. But you, you, your actual point is, is, is quite good. They are a manufacturing powerhouse. They manufacture a bunch of stuff. And number two and number three are things they manufacture. So see if you can get one of those. But you've already got your points in the book. You're already good. I mean, look, I feel like if you're manufacturing cars, you're probably manufacturing. I don't know if this is too broad a category, but like just like machinery, like like other machines. That's too broad. 
<laughs> Too bad. I don't know. Uh, okay, maybe they're... Okay, hold on. Let's get a little meta here. Maybe they are manufacturing, like, factory machines, like, like conveyor belts. How about that? Conveyor belts. That's my guess. <laughs> Too specific? How about robotics? Robotics? <laughs> You're going from machinery... <laughs> Which is the broadest possible thing to conveyor belt, which is the most specific possible thing, back to robotics, which isn't even a thing. Robotics is a field of study. It's not no, an but item. Like the, but I mean like the arms robots, and legs for robots. Robot yeah, no, arms. like robot, specifically like robot joints, like the things that make the arms and legs bend. Back a little too specific. Well, Joe, robot joints, not one of their chief exports, but the thing that controls those robot joints is computers. Oh, Interesting. And their their export, I would say, in a ant in a cars adjusted <laughs> export where I got rid of cars and I got rid of like bullshit that all countries export. I believe their like biggest net export would actually be furniture. Apparently, Polish ah, craftsmanship. Interesting. That's I wonder if thing. I have any Polish furniture in my house. Now, well, your house is full of IKEA furniture, but probably not assembled in Poland. But it might be. Could be. Could be. Well, I mean, with IKEA furniture, it was like all assembled here by me. It's true. So. It's true. <laughs> but, but it could have been put in those boxes by robots where the joints were made in Poland. The sweet, sweet IKEA or the sweet, sweet Polish robot joints. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Very smooth. And those conveyor belts. Oh man. Anyways, Joe, you're one for one. This is we're unprecedented territory here. Can you cement that out of the 32 World Cup countries? Where does Poland rank by population? Out of those, from 1 to 32. I mean, I feel like Poland's probably middle of the road in terms of their population. Uh, so I'm going to just guess. I mean, look, you know, they're a European countries, so they're pretty, like, they have some big cities. Uh, let, let, how about 14? I have never seen such a thing. Oh, no. Wait, I was right? Wait, now I'm just confused. <laughs> Dan. You got it. Two in a row. Your sound effects are confusing me. Okay. I got it. Oh, that that definitely sounds like a you were correct sound effect. Yeah. You you were correct. You almost nailed it to the number, Joe. You're off by one. Which do you think it is? Do you think it's number 13 or number 15? 13. Well, shouldn't have asked. Shouldn't have destroyed your, your correcting. But look, you are right on. They're right about in the middle. They're number 15, 38 million people. They're the number 37 country overall in the world. Joe, you're on a roll. You you, you and um, Poland here might uh, might have some I know Poland. I know Poland. I think Absolutely. that little Polish blood that's inside of you might be, you, you just have this natural thing. Poland runs through my veins. Nazdrovia. Nazdrovia, baby. Okay, and the, the Polish vodka is running through my veins. So we might, as a team, we, we this this could be Portugal, Joe. Dan, and it's a sign. My first card, Dan, the Joker. The Joker. Wait, we don't is do it? that yet until oh, we do it. section number one, Joe. All right, uh, I'll, that doesn't count then. No, it can count. No, Just, no, it's not natural. Go ahead. <laughs> We have to do number one, Joe. We have to talk too good, too bad in the road to qualification World Cup history. And unlike our other ones we've done recently, especially we had to learn about the whole system of qualification, and it was a super interesting story. For Poland, it is not interesting at all. They come out of UEFA. We already know how it works. 
Poland started the qualification process as a pot three team. So in Europe, they split them up into six pots. Poland goes in as a pot three team. I mean, but they get put in a group with Group E with the pot one team, Romania. So (laughs) imagine you're sitting there at the draw and pot one could be Germany, England, Spain, Portugal, and you draw Romania. The pot two team, Denmark, and then, you know, the rest of the teams are Montenegro, Armenia, and, yes, Kazakhstan. So, unbelievable this, draw. This is like such a, I mean, both Denmark and Poland are just licking their chops. The, 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 the pod one team they have to deal with is Romania. I have no idea how Romania got into pod one. I read an article about it. It still made no sense to me. Um, but whatever. Well, I mean, it's a little bit, I mean, I mean, not to like, I don't, I don't really fully understand the details either, but I mean, like the basic gist that I understand is it's a little bit like how college football teams can like sort of mess with the rankings based on like what, what opponents they play because the FIFA rankings are sort of dependent on looking at your last series of games. So you can sort of like juke the stats a little bit by, by being selective about who you play in, in, in like these international friendlies, as I yeah. understand it. It might, I think, um, Something about, uh, you know, Poland is going to enter the World Cup as a pod one team, which we know. And apparently, I saw this in the rankings, the way they work. Like, it actually helps you in the rankings to, like, have not played in the World Cup. Because, like, apparently, if you, like, played in the last World Cup and did, you know, like, didn't win or whatever, like, that apparently hurts you. And so, for the teams that didn't play in it, they get, like, some boost for not doing it. So, it... The, the whole FIFA system makes no sense. It really doesn't make sense that these countries use it to, to make these, like, pots. But anyways, they come in as a pot three team. They get this really easy group. I mean, you come in a group, and the, you're, it's just between basically them and Denmark, basically. And, you know, look, Romania came in as a pot one team. I don't know why. They did terribly in qualifying. So they obviously were not worthy of it. Um, Poland goes... It gets off to a bad start, actually. Their first game is against Kazakhstan. They're, they're up 2 nothing. They're feeling great. Then they end up drawing that game 2-2. And, you know, that's a pretty pretty bad performance. They've got to beat Kazakhstan. But then they end up winning eight of the next nine games. The only loss comes against Denmark. But they had actually already beaten Denmark earlier. So they literally just... Obviously, they go 8-1-1. One, and one. They have only one loss to Denmark. One draw with Kazakhstan. So the only question is, how did Denmark do? Denmark really didn't have that great of a qualifying. Denmark only finished 6-2-2. Denmark, in addition to losing to Poland, they lost to another country. I think it was Montenegro. They had also two draws thrown in there. So Poland easily wins this group, 8-1-1, five points clear of Denmark. They Their last game was irrelevant, didn't matter. They won it anyway. So this is um, very easy qualifying for them. I mean, they, they get put in a cupcake group. They... You know, whatever. They do what they have to do. So let's look their World Cup history, which I've already... I really talked about it all there is to talk about in the intro. They they basically entered one World Cup in their 1938. You know, I don't even know what that was going. They didn't do very well. It said they played one game and they lost. So I don't even know what, <laughs> what the was, World Cup maybe, was like back then. Maybe their loss was so bad. It was the same format, but like they lost... 12 to nothing. They're just like, that's it. We're done. Well, I think the score was <laughs> six to five or something that they, I don't know, whatever. 
in the modern era, they, yeah, soccer was weird obviously back then. they're rebounding from World War II. They don't qualify for the World Cup until 1974. And then I say they, they have this run of, of incredible success. Third place finish, and they only lose to West Germany. They beat Brazil in the, in the third place game. I mean, great tournament. The next tournament, 1978, they finish in fifth place. The next tournament, 82, in back in Spain, they finish in third place again. I mean, this is they're they're doing well in '86. The the Mexican one, they make it into the knockout round, but don't do much. But then that's it for them. They qualify for only two out of the next uh, eight World Cups. They don't get out of the group in either of them. So since 1990, this group has not seen the knockout stage. But they're coming back for 2018. So again, they they had success over probably about a 12 year span uh, when they were. In the Soviet bloc, it was really as their the population had come back, as their economy was starting to work again. But they were still under a communist system back then. So I don't know if there was any chicanery going on in terms of like how the um, uh, oftentimes Soviet countries would like put undue amount of resources into like sports teams. So that might have been going on. It might have they kind of might have been boosting the uh, the numbers a little bit, but. Not that Russia would do that now, of course. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> uh, but coming into uh, this World Cup, as I said, they're a pot one team. They they in the, the the qualifying draw, which you know occurred in December, they have the number six FIFA ranking in the world. So, you know, God knows how that uh, ended up. But their their odds, obviously, from the betting odds, do not necessarily correlate with the number one with the number six team in the world. So their odds of Getting out of the round of 16 into the knockout stage are 60%. Their odds of making it to the quarterfinals are 26%. Odds of making it to the semifinals, 10%. Making it to the finals, 4%. And winning the World Cup at a nice even 2%, which puts their odds of winning at 50 to 1. So this is a, a country that's obviously better than a lot of the other countries that are just insane long shots in the 100 to 1. But they're... they're a step below some of the the top teams we've done so far, your Portugals, your Uruguays, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because for all the talk that we've, you know, just had about like how FIFA rankings are sort of silly or they like, um, their formula does not seem refined enough to capture the reality of of where teams are ranked. You know, the reality is like, if you just look at the basic fact is Poland is a team that is on the rise, right? And they yep. went into qualification. And look, I mean, even out of, I mean, how many how many teams aren't in the World Cup or barely made it into the World Cup in what should have been easy groups for them? Yeah, so, yeah. like, was it a little bit of a lucky road to qualification? Certainly. But, like, did they get there and get there in a good enough fashion to actually increase their own standing and ranking and get themselves in that first pot? Which, like, I mean, the funny thing is, like, whether or not the FIFA ranking is a real thing or not. It has real consequences because it, it impacts the group that you get put in. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you know, I think it is exciting that this is a team that is on the rise. I think what's been so fascinating so far to me about this podcast, and maybe it's like a stupid point that like is obvious to everyone else, but just the amount that um, a team's soccer or a country's soccer achievements are tied to like the geopolitical history and how like, you know, Poland, a country that is like larger than the Netherlands, but like, because they had this like huge devastating event in world war two. And then because they were part of the Soviet bloc and like whatever was going on there, like they have not achieved similar footballing success. But then look, like 
like now they are a modern economy without being embroiled in any like huge wars currently that I know of. Um, no, you know, so- I mean, from them, their Poland is actually, and, and the, the, your point is so interesting because this is like what I'm thinking about when I'm doing this research. And it is like, well, wh- you know, as they're transitioning from, from communism to like a capitalist society, like obviously that is going to, it's just such a massive societal, societal upheaval. So it's like, of course, things like focusing on the, whatever the soccer federation, like that's obviously going to go out the window. Right. But exactly. But they're, they're literally in like an unprecedented, I mean, this is a territory goes back a thousand years and now they're like in the European Union, they're in NATO. They're actually, they're like one of the like chief blocks of NATO because of their like incredible, important strategic position being so close to, to Russia. So th- like now they are probably have more like physical security as a nation than they've ever had in the last thousand years. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like this is a country that like is is going to continue to expand their influence on on the you know footballing world stage. I think they're in a good position. I mean, I agree that like that for a first pot team, they maybe are a little bit of a long shot, but I think that they have the skill to cause some waves in the World Cup. I mean, we'll talk about the group later. Um, and I think that like I. I do appreciate their road to qualification and the fact that they are currently rising. So I'm going to say six and a half out of 10. Six and a half. All right. Are you going to draw the wild card again? Is that going to be, that's the omen you need? Let's see. I mean, let's see. It is a nine category nine category nine, Joe. So we're, we're not going to go to the celebrities right away. Unfortunately, no. But you know what? I love Category 9, especially at the beginning, because it is System of Government Head of State, thanks to Fan Emeriti, Bez, and Ryan, respectively. A nation with a proud cultural heritage, Poland can trace its roots back over a thousand years. Positioned at the center of Europe, it has known turbulent and violent times. There have been periods of independence as well as periods of domination by other countries. Several million people, half of them Jews, died in the Second World War. A new era began when Poland became a European Union member in May 2004, five years after joining NATO, and 15 years after the end of the communist rule. It was the birthplace of the former Soviet bloc's first officially recognized independent mass political movement when strikes at the Gdansk shipyard in August 1980 led to an agreement with the authorities on the establishment of the Solidarity Trade Union. See, I love that. Union history country. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And... I mean, well, I'll keep reading, but the, it's it's a really great point that um, Poland, when in the Soviet bloc, was was considered like the like um, least oppressive of the Soviet bloc, and it's not entirely surprising that they were like the un- it, you know like you could consider it in like a union busting. Like I'm sure some companies will like th- there's no amount of like union thing they'll allow. Like they'll they'll do everything they can to stop it. And Poland right. was just like you know I think they were allowed some latitude. And, you know, it bore uh, fruit in terms of uh, the way they, they changed their, their government. I love it. Poland has both a president who is a head of state and a prime minister who runs the government alongside two elected bodies, the Selm and the Senate. Current, maybe it's Sejm, S-E-J-M. I mean, I, don't, I, I Sejm? Sejm? S-E-J-M. Sejm. I mean, it could I also it, be a typo. 
I don't know how you would pronounce those two letters next to each other. The Sejum and the Senate. <laughs> Currently, Polish politics is dominated by right-wing populism and strong nationalism, which has risen Uh-oh. since 2015. That's not great. This, en- this ended the country's love affair with the European <laughs> Union, despite the former Prime Minister Donald Tusk being president of the European Council. In a worrying turn of events, the ruling Law and Justice Party sacked the country's judges and took control of legal decisions. Uh-oh. This, along with harsh rhetoric and right-wing policies, has fueled a fear that the country is headed towards a dark period not seen since the Second World War when a certain German chancellor seized control. Well, that took a turn. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Things were, things were looking so good for yeah, Poland for a while. I'm sorry. I, you know, this is all news to me. Oh, boy. Head of state. Andrzej, Andre, again, boy, they really like putting the Z's and the J's in, in, in strange places. Andrzej Duda. Why you might like him. He's an avid skier, a PhD okay. in law. I like it. Took a stand against his party trying to pass legislation limiting the judicial power of the courts and would have forced the current Supreme Court justices to retire immediately. Low unemployment. Generous public spending since his party took over after the fall of communism. He has continued this trend despite high job insecurity in the country. Why you might not like him. Anti-immigrant. Refusing the EU migrant quotas for asylum seekers. And passed other legislation allowing party members to select Supreme Court justices. Yeah, this doesn't sound great. I mean, they were doing so well. They, had, they were forging their own path after being part of the Soviet bloc. They have the Sejim. Or however it's pronounced. The thing is, which do you think is the higher body? The Sejum or the Senate? Because, like, in the U.S., you know, the Senate is the great body. And the House of Representatives is obviously, like, swill by comparison. No offense to Pramila. But with a name like Sejum, like, that feels like a really important body. I mean, I would rather be in the Sejum than the Senate. Yeah, though, me too. Though they call the Senate the upper house. Does upper, like, does upper imply better? Or is I mean, it just it, more it, just like... Um, in the U.S., clearly. Yeah. Though, like, heat rises, so sometimes you'd rather be on the lower level. Who rises? Heat heat rises. Oh, heat rises. Sejim has... Yeah. The Sejim's air conditioning the in the Sejim might be uh, no good. Might be busted. Might be busted. And you're like, oh, I'd much rather be in the Sejim right now. Wait, so you're telling me the Sejim's the lower house? Sejim is the lower house, yeah. So is every upper house just called the Senate? How do you possibly have the Sejim... And then they're like, oh, what should we call the upper house? Call it the Senate. They're like, well, everyone else calls it the Senate. Fine. <laughs> fuck it. Just... Let's do it. No, I mean, in England, right, it's the House of Lords, right? The House of Commons and the House of Lords. So, Oh, man. Not that's everyone, good. but yeah. Uh, and like, clearly, you'd rather be a Lord than a Common. Like, that's just on its yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's easy. That's easy. Yeah. I don't even want to be in the House of Commons. That sounds <laughs> it's too, too fucking common. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Would you like some gruel, sir? <laughs> No, uh, I want to be in the House of Lords. I want some goddamn caviar. Yeah, you want a caviar and a scone. You don't want fucking porridge. Ooh, a scone. And oh, gruel. man, that'd be great. Oh, you know. You know they have some dope-ass scones in the I House of Lords. I cannot wait for the food category for England. Oh, my God. I'm going to buy some scones for that episode. It's going to be good. All right, anyways. But this right-wing nationalism, Joe, this is, this is striking this is a, a chord it's a problem. with me. It's a problem. And look, you know, not to get too political here. But I think one thing that the 2016 election proved in America is that we are not like immune to trends that are happening worldwide. Yeah. 
And it's not like America is the only place that elected a right-wing nationalist. So, I mean, what are the odds, though, that their guy, Donald Tusk, was like the good guy? <laughs> they had a good Donald. They had a good Donald. Like Donald, good Donald Tusk T. and Donald Trump are like three letters apart. I know. I know. Well, I would rather have Donald Tusk. Ugh, me too. God. Uh, <laughs> so, look, um, I mean, I have to write down, you know, a country. I mean, and and look. Let's just say also that, like, not that it's worse than America, but like Poland, come on, don't you, you don't you know better? You've had your experience with right wing nationalist dictators. Like, yeah. it didn't go well. Yeah, a huge percentage of your population died. Let's just not do it again. I think this the is, same thing about our country, though. I mean, obviously, we never had that, but it just seems like common sense. But you know what? I I don't know. A lot of people. It, it should be common sense. Yeah. Look, I think I'm going to take another swig of vodka while I think about this because it's because it, because I'm just disappointed. I'm not even mad. I'm disappointed I in know. Poland. I really, as I was reading, man, I was so high on Poland, I know, and now I know. I'm, I'm just they fucked it all up. I'm so uh, sad. It is sad that we started with this. Let's say a two out of ten. Two out of ten. I'll give it two because hopefully, hopefully, the sanity that reigns in the Sejum can keep right-wing nationalism at bay yeah we need the sedgem it's always it's that lower house which is always the first uh defense against tyranny just like our congress okay unless, <laughs> okay unless it's horribly gerrymandered or sedgem mandered as they call it i wonder who the paul Sedge-mandered. ryan equivalent who the, who the polish paul ryan is well, we know donald tusk is definitely like the uh barack obama character so is it just like do they just have names that are very similar to him? Is it like Paul Rusk? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> and right. you know, Donald Tusk is just disappointed too. He's like, he's, he's like, not even mad. He's not mad. He's disappointed. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I, I gave you the chance. This is what democracy is all about. And this is what you guys do. Dan, category three. Category three. Oh, that's the food. Oh my God. Food and couponing. <laughs> food and couponing. Our this is Poland's chance at redemption. Despite their right-wing nationalist tendencies, are they a couponing people? Let's find out. Joe, Poland. They have Groupon. Although, coupons in Poland are not nearly as popular as in America. What is Polish for coupon? I don't know. Emily didn't didn't uh, do it. But now, Emily, as a new... See, this is a great part about the podcast. We're getting new listeners. We're getting much like Poland and Warsaw before World War II was this multinational society where all these cultures and ideas are coming from. We've now got new listeners coming in that are going to bring their own ideas. So it's true. Fan, fan emeritus Emily. Let's yeah. Maybe let's just a embrace new it. fan will also figure out what the word for coupon is. For every well, well, Dan, I just looked it up. You are you ready for this? It's coupon. Coupon. Well, you know, but spelled, but spelled with a K. Don't mess with the classics, Joe. Don't mess with the classics. Their food is a mix of Slavic, Eastern, and Central European influences along with Jewish and Russian tradition. It's heavy and hearty to get you through those long, cold winters. Most people think of pierogi, dumplings, yep. borscht, cold beet soup, pakzis as traditional foods. However, bagels originate from Poland. Oh, my God. Ooh, and, I and, love bagels. And the Jews brought them to New York when they emigrated from Poland during the war. 
while you're drinking your vodka, you can also eat zapier kanka, which is uh-huh. a mix of French bread pizza and an open-faced sandwich, traditionally doused in ketchup with onions, mushrooms, and melted cheese. Oh, my God. Save that one for season three. Joe picks a sandwich, Dan. Yeah, that sounds fucking good. Or you can have... <laughs> and I'm drinking vodka right now. I want a uh, zapier kanka. Or, want, yeah, me too. Or have an oborzenic, which is a relative of the bagel, being thin and twisted, making it look slightly like a pretzel. Plus, pierogi, of course, for your traditional, as the go-to needs. This team should have no problem getting their carbs before the game. Ugh, I love pierogies, man. I'm, I have to say this, Joe. I'm liking this section. I feel like we add this I section, know. toss some other section out. It's true. It's true. I'm in. I'm all in. i I mean, I'm hungry now. I want a, I, I want a bagel. I want a pierogi. I want this sandwich I can't pronounce. I'm already ready to move, move ahead to season three. They invented bagel? What a contribution to the world. God How can it. you not love a country that invents bagels? That's amazing. I mean... Let me ask you this. If you, if you invented the bagel, I feel like you should also get credit for inventing the donut. Because I think that in the etymology of the donut, I think someone looked at a bagel and was like, let's fry that and put sugar on it. But, like, the donut is, on the importance scale of, like, food items, I think the donut is very low. You've got cupcake. You've got cake. You've got whatever. Donut is a dime a dozen. I mean, not whatever they cost. I'm just saying that in terms of their, like, relative unimportance. A bagel is a critical food item on, like, the average person's diet like oh i totally and 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 also there's a whole lot of room for error in a donut or there's a whole lot of room for error in a donut there's a lot of ways to make a donut taste just just fine because you're just putting sugar and frosting on it like a good bagel is hard to find good bagel absolutely can you imagine being in warsaw poland in 1930s or whatever and just going down the street getting a hot fresh bagel from some local bakery I mean, it would speaking yeah. Yiddish, I'm sure. And you're like, let's bring this shit to New York before they kill us all. Joe, it's true. But I mean, I, as I was doing the research, I, it's like the horrors of it are like un, <laughs> unbelievable. I know. I know. We, it's, it, it, we should talk about it, but we shouldn't joke about it. But we Look. should be happy that they did that this great country that we live in was pro-immigrants back then. Otherwise, we wouldn't have, like, that's what the Democrats should say. I didn't watch the State of the Union, but they should be like, did you eat a bagel today? Do you like bagels? Do you like pizza? Yeah. This, if the next bagel and pizza that somebody's going to invent, you're not going to get because you're not going to let those immigrants come here. You don't even know what it is yet. I know. Nobody knows what it is. It's being concocted in some crazy country right now that we're probably not going to let in. And then other more generous countries are going to have much better cuisine than we do. It's terrible. I know. I know. Well, I mean, the point is we shouldn't move to Poland because it sounds like Poland might be worse, but some other countries. I know this this category doesn't get a score, but 10 out of 10. 10 well, I mean, we need some finality. So, yeah, you've got to move this baby along. Rob is right now really getting upset. All right. Category eight. Your favorite, Joe. The celebrities. Let's talk about those Polish celebrities. The celebrities. The no honorable mention. The bronze medalist is the former Playboy bunny, Isabella St. James, who was born in Krakow, Poland in 1975. Before she attained 
Playboy stardom, she earned a law degree from Pepperdine University in 2002. After she graduated, she did not complete her bar exam. She had met Hefner and his other girlfriends in 2000 at the L.A. nightclub scene. Following her graduation, she moved into the Playboy Mansion and became one of Hefner's official girlfriends in 2002. She ended her relationship with Hefner in 2004 and began acting and writing. She has appeared in the movies Ninja Cheerleader. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. And Thunder Over Reno. <laughs> she, she, she also wrote Bunny Tales Behind Closed Doors at the Playboy Mansion. She is, shockingly, not on Twitter. But I'll bet she's on Instagram. Wow. I can't wait. I can't wait for Ninja Cheerleaders 2. I know. They really, they cut that great series a little short. I, I feel so, like it could have supported probably at least two or three sequels. Well, there was a, just so many unanswered questions in Ninja Cheerleader 1. I know. Uh, okay, that's the bronze. Let's hear it. Silver. Silver. Actress and model... Joanna Krupa is most known for her appearances on Dancing with the Stars and Real Housewives of Miami. She was on Dancing with the Stars in 2009 and was partnered with Derek Hugh. They were eliminated in Week 9. She appeared on The Real Housewives from 2012 to 2013. Krupa also appeared on the cover of Playboy twice. I think Karsten might just have a Playboy subscription. Karsten's definitely... He has a lane this episode for his celebrities. Yeah. Um... Were they, were, they, were they in Playboy? Were they in Big Little Lies? That's all we need to know. Yeah. Her filmography includes Planet of the Apes. Oh, that's a big okay. one. All right, yeah. And Scary Movie 4. Yeah. Okay. okay, all right. Krupa has also been a host and a judge on the Polish version of Top Model since 2010. Krupa is a noted supporter of PETA. She has appeared in ads supporting dog adoption and in ads speaking out against the use of real animal fur in clothing. I have no problem with that. One million Twitter followers. Good for her. Okay. And the gold medalist. <sighs> Boy. Carson is wading into controversy here. Wow. This, <laughs> the gold medalist is the actor, director, and fugitive of the U.S. criminal justice system, Roman Polanski. Oh, wow. Polanski is an Academy Award-winning director. His last win was for Best Director in 2002 for the film The Pianist. He's extremely accomplished in his directing career, directing over 30 films in his lifetime. Six of those films have been nominated for Academy Awards. His successful career is not lacking in controversy. Polanski reached a plea deal in 1978 in a case where he was accused of sexually assaulting 13-year-old Samantha Gailey. He served a jail sentence of 42 days and was released to be put on probation the judge decided to reject the plea deal after hearing the new testimony. Polanski fled to Paris, and the U.S. has made multiple unsuccessful attempts to extradite him back to the States. Polanski survived the Holocaust despite both his parents being captured. His mother died in Auschwitz, and Polanski was reunited with his father following the end of World War II. Polanski's marriage to Sharon Tate was also quite famous, as she was murdered by Charles Manson and his followers in 1969. Polanski has stated that being away from Tate the night she was murdered is the greatest regret of his life. What the silver and bronze celebrities lack in interest, Polanski more than makes up for with his eventful and controversial life and career. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one, I'm not one, sure Carson. you're going to hang your head on that, but, you know. You really put me in a weird position now, Karsten. This is, yeah. you gave me two, two, two Playboy Playmates and Roman Polanski. Hey, they're actors and writers who also happen to be Playboy sure, models. Sure, show. sure, sure. Of course. Of course. Uh, look, I mean, Roman Polanski, I mean, to Karsten's point that he didn't really make, is that like 
you know, this isn't necessarily how much I like the celebrity. This is about like influence in the world. It's not. Yeah. It. I mean, you could say it's fame, but you could also say it's infamy. I mean, absolutely. You can say whatever you want. He obviously Roman Polanski has more than his share of both of those. And a high rating really has nothing to do with like me like condoning anybody. We on this podcast do not condone any sort of anything with underage anybody. I don't condone anything, literally. <laughs> if you think I condone it, you're, you're wrong. I don't. I I'm, I'm support drinking underage if you yourself are drinking it, not if you're giving it to somebody else. Totally. No, I, I don't even condone that. Um, <laughs> you're a stickler, Joe. Let's say four out of ten. The one thing that uh, happened is Carson has robbed you of your favorite category here with this. He made it real, real tough this time. All well, right, Dan. Next, we are doing category five. Category five. I don't know five. what that is. History with the U.S. men's national team. The U.S. men's national team has played Poland 17 times. Holy crap. That's a lot. Winning seven times, drawing three, and losing seven. Of this game's only one has not been an international friendly. This occurred in the 2002 World Cup in South Korea and Japan. The U.S. men's national team was second in the group stage at this point, and Poland had been eliminated. So this was the final game of the group stage. However, Poland upset the United States, winning the game 3-1. to one. This would have knocked the U.S. out of the, the World Cup. However, Portugal in the group... Our, our team from last week also lost to the host nation, which allowed the U.S. to advance Ugh. in second place. We couldn't have that luck this time. Jeez. Yeah, so they, uh, I guess they tried to fuck us, but then did so unsuccessfully. <laughs> I mean, look, it's good to be talking about a team that we played quite a bit, though I just don't feel as a U.S. fan that we're like supposed to hate Poland. Like, I don't think that that's a problem for me. Yeah. Um, so some history, but not like a ton here. Let's say five out of ten. Five out of ten. All right. All right. Category six. Category six, fan culture. From Superfan and Fan Emerita Yannick. And, uh, and that previous category came from Superfan and Fan Emerita and Super Supporter Luke. Thank you, Luke. Fan culture, number six. Yannick likes to do his research in the Reddit of whom I am a paid advertiser for, he says there weren't too many people in the Polish subreddit. But luckily, he's been to Poland many times, as we know. It borders Germany, including the Euros 2012, and can share some of his observations. The national team is called... (laughs) These just aren't even letters. What? (laughs) Like, I don't even know what I can even say. The Biale... Ork E Ork Z? Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know, is that a Z? The Bialzi or Z? The white. I don't know what you're looking at, but I will. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, I don't I, think the Z I makes a Z des- sound. In I can't Polish. even describe the letters. I mean, it looks like if a Z and an F got together, and then the F is backwards. But wait, let me see it. What are you? And it has you trying tail. to say. Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. Oh wait, it. It looks different in GChat than it does in my software. Well, sure. GChat probably doesn't have the like uh, characters for it. Well, it looks like a an L with a, a line through it that makes no sense. Bialy Orly? Oh, I see. Yeah, the L with the line through it. In my software, it looks like more like a Z. It's weird. Anyways, the White Eagles, which again, 
I don't know if that's the greatest name. Well, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. The Polish people always wait for their national team to finally become good. The next year is always the year they will make the big throw, which I think is a German colloquialism for becoming really good. Yep, yep. But now they are more confident than ever. It feels like they have a dark horse chance to go far in the World Cup. Lewandowski is a national treasure, whoever that is. Football is watched with a lot of beer. Just mentioning it because Polish beer is one of the best in Europe. And wow, coming from a German, that's saying a lot. I know you know you know who Lewandowski is because he was the one who um, played for a long time for Dortmund and then signed for Munich. But he was in the Champions League game against when it was Dortmund versus Munich. And like they already knew he was going to transfer. So he's playing against his future team. It was a weird thing. I definitely watched that game, but I did not uh, was not aware of that subplot. Anyways, their chief rivals, Russia, might have to do with hooliganism, and now in Russia it might get uncomfortable. Ooh, wow! <laughs> yeah, that is an interesting. Yeah, point. I know it, it, it's a it's a pretty cool dynamic, actually. Yeah, and to some extent Germany, because we always seem to snatch away a lot of good Polish-born players like Miroslav Klose and Lukas Podolowski. Podlowski. But the rivalry is not really heated. Their chants are Polska Biala Czerzwani, <laughs> sung on the melody of Go West. What's the melody of Go West? <laughs> there, there are more questions than answers in this, in this uh, fan culture. I've never, I've never felt so culturally far apart from Yannick before. You know, I have to say, I think... I don't love the White Eagles name. I mean, it, it, it sounds a little right-wing nationalist, doesn't it? It does. And if you look at the logo, it, it looks very right-wing <laughs> nationalist. See. I mean, if, if there were an alt-right group in America called the White Eagles, would you be surprised? I, I'm sure there is. I, I mean, I honestly think they've devolved clearly into this right-wing nationalism. I think it didn't help and doesn't help that their logo is the White Eagles. Like, they should have changed it when they were in, like, a more um, inclusive time when, like, there would have been political will, and now it, yeah. it just seems like, like it's helping the fallback. Yeah, they're, like, multi-ethnic eagle. <laughs> like, America, bald eagle. Like, no, nobody has anything against bald people. Mm, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe Biali Orly, maybe there's, like... Um, Maybe there's, there's something lost in translation. Like maybe it's it's a different type of white. But the logo doesn't look great. The logo's a little scary. I do like the dynamic of them being in Russia with their rival, and you know those fans will travel. So I kind of like that. But the White Eagles kind of freaking me out, Dan. Yeah, let's this, say this is a scary logo. <laughs> it is. It is <laughs> very white nationalist. Let's say four and a half out of ten. Four and a half out of ten, Joe. What's next? Now we are going to category seven. It's going on in order at this point. Thanks to uh, fan emeritus, super fan Josh, super supporter, fan emeriti, Josh PhD. Atrocities. Josh starts out, oh boy, this one might be controversial, <laughs> which it seemed like everybody it's just the theme of this entire episode for real for real super fans are are putting some tough decisions in front of us dan 
According to Josh, this one might be controversial, at least to the Polish people, who we know are called Poles. So that's one moment of levity before we get into this. But, <laughs> but Poland hasn't really come to terms with its role in the Holocaust. This is in part because most of Polish society suffered terribly under German occupation, but nevertheless, many Polish Gentiles participated in the persecution of Polish Jews and seized their property. Further, the collective memory has largely, though by no means exclusively, adopted a blame-the-Germans mentality that has made it easy to ignore Polish complicity. Further, in 2015, a far-right nationalist populist Christian government came to power and tens of thousands of fascists recently marched in Warsaw. Before assigning a score for this one, I suggest watching all 10 hours of Claude Landsman's Shoah. Oh, I've seen it. It's super, it's, it's, it's what I honestly thought about with this category, because it talks a lot about like the Polish citizens, like many, many of them, not by no means all, but like their sort of complicity with, um, with what was happening, you know, in their, like some of these concentration camps were like adjacent to towns and cities i mean it's it's it yeah was very... yeah and this is one thing in the research you know i've been to germany quite a few times i've never been to poland i thought that many of the concentration camps if not all were in germany but as it turns out most of them were actually in polish territory of course i'm not a, an expert on this this issue that, that, that's the only thing i, I read that um was surprising to me and i, I don't want to impugn the polish people but josh puts their atrocity level at at least the Germans feel bad about it. Though, again, I am have no doubt that many Poles also obviously weren't alive during that time. So it, th- this is just an issue of, like, their, their collective national memory. And, you know, as an American, like, I'm not... We have done a lot of bad shit that we, like... <laughs> that we still won't... Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, no, so, I mean, they're... <laughs> What sucks about this is that, like, it's still really like an active controversy. There's, um, there's a current news story right now, Dan, about the Polish government. There's a bill in in the well, it might actually be in the what's it called again? The Sargent Sedgem. <laughs> yeah, there's a bill or the possibly Senate. possibly in the Sedgem right now that basically makes it illegal to assign blame for the Holocaust to Poland in writing or like commentary or whatever. Right. Which is, first of all, like it's weird from our American sensibility, but like, you know, even Germany, which we like, I think think of now as this like progressive country, they have sort of free speech restrictions around the Holocaust. Like you can't deny that. Like it is illegal to deny the Holocaust. Yeah, in yeah absolutely. It's a, it's illegal to spray paint a right. swastika on something. Right. Right. Which is sort of like, antithetical to our own view of free speech but whatever so poland has this bill but that is like germany owning their cultural mistake and so poland has obviously far beyond that but again the people alive today did had you know nothing to do with that like 99.99 percent of them but it is important for societies to like understand their own history that and their own people who live there in their culture did do these horrible things and they're actively deciding right now whether or not to have this bill that would basically, you know, you know, officially make it the legal and enforceable stance that Poland had nothing to do with this. And and I was reading this article about it, and it is a super complicated thing because on one hand, Poland was occupied. They they were not in yeah. control of their own country at that point. And to add to that, 
Poland has more, there are more people in Poland than any other country that, that have, uh, I can't think of the word, like, um, that have positive, officially, have been, you know, officially recognized as saving Jews' lives in the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like you can paint it with a broad brush, but then there are obviously still some large degree where the Polish people at the time were like complicit to what was happening. So it's it's super complicated. But I think to Josh's point, it seems like with all that complication, uh, Poland has not like yet reckoned with their own role in a way that other countries have. And and I think, you know, to your point, in a way that the U.S. has not about many of its atrocities, but we're not rating the U.S. in this category. The U.S. Like, would do terribly on all they of would these do te- categories. <laughs> and, they, and they should do terribly in this category. So it's not even to say that we're better, but like, this is not good for Poland. I'm going to say uh, two out of ten. Two out of ten. Boy. This really started off so well for Poland. It's devolved into controversy, serious issues. It's, let's it's get true. let's get some levity in here. Give give me something. Give me give me a good category. I want it. Let's see what we got. Joker. Okay, we could pick anything, Dan. I mean, I, I would think that celebrities is fun, but but that was but that didn't work out well. <laughs> let's talk about the kit. We always like to talk about the kit. All right, the kit. I'm Can't sure it's going to have that white eagle on it, though. But you, oh, no, oh no! You've picked it, Joe. It's locked in. You've wasted your Joker. It looks like the 2018 kit has not leaked yet, but we can look at the 2017 kit for some hint. Yeah. Now it is a Nike kit, so you know, yeah, cream yeah. Of the crop. it's going to be. So yeah, yeah. I, I see what we're looking at here. Okay, for for those at home, it looks like they're. Their their two main colors are unsurprisingly red bright white. red. I would say what 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 shade of red is that? It is, it's like a crimson red, I think. Right? Mm, I don't know. I, well, it, it, maybe it's more. I don't know. It looks like it's some like of them bright are more red. bright br- bright red. And then that white eagle is just right in your face, big crest, and. Um, They've got, it looks like they have another kit, which has a red, which is predominantly white with a red stripe. So we're still not exactly sure what variant of this is going to be in the World Cup. But one thing is clear, that big white eagle is going to be on there. And we know we're going to be looking at probably a red jersey and probably a white jersey. Right. It's going to be red. It's going to be white. There's going to be a white eagle on it. And it's going to be made by Nike. We know all these things about it. Yeah. I don't I I I feel like we're picking on poor poor Poland, but I don't like that eagle. I think the eagle actually looks better on the jersey than it does uh when it's it just does. like in your face. You know why? Cuz it's not surrounded by a crest. When it's surrounded by a crest it looks scarier. I think they actually toned it down. Yeah, yeah, I think it's toned down. You know, they said how do we make this eagle look less like a microaggression? I think it's like when it's on the jersey, it doesn't seem like a white eagle. It just seems like an eagle. Almost like just like a silhouetted eagle. Yeah. 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 Even still, the eagle aside, oh, you know, the one thing I'll say about this eagle, if you zoom in on it, Dan, the eagle is wearing a crown. Yeah. Look at that. I do like the crown on eagle because, I mean, generally, I think it's funny when animals dress up. I mean, the eagle's like flexing, too. It's, it's not just flapping its wings. It's like showing off its like bird biceps. I was going to say it's spread eagle, and I didn't even mean it as a pun. I, I don't know if that's where the term came from, but he is spread eagle. He's like, he's like really flayed out there, isn't he? They, that's what they, the Jews fleeing Poland brought, the bagel and the term spread eagle. 
Do eagles spread like that? Is that where the term comes from? You know, it might have been spread eagle might have just been what it was called when you got cream cheese on a bagel. Oh, because it's a Polish eagle and you're, yeah, that's true. It's, I'll take, uh, yeah, one bagel with spread eagle, please. Boom. Yeah. You don't even have to say the bagel. You just say, I want the spread eagle. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And the cream cheese is white, just like the white eagle. Exactly. Makes total sense. You're putting two and two together here, Jeff. (laughs) Look, I didn't like it until you lay that. Now, now this eagle doesn't make me think of. Right wing nationalism. It makes me think of bagels with, with cream cheese. That's a good thing. <laughs> I could really go for one of those right now, or one of those other many delicious dishes. The thing is, the one category they did so well on doesn't actually get scored. It's really unfortunate. Poor, poor Poland. All right, all right. This kit's just okay. Three and a half out of ten. Three and a half. All right, Joe. Keep it going. Okay, we are doing category two, rate the group. Rate the group. So you'd think after doing all of these teams before, we'd have done every group. But no, not only do we have one new group for the first part, we have another new group for the second part. This group, the group that Poland is in is group H, contains four teams, Colombia, Poland, Senegal, and Japan. So the stats from the betting odds, Colombia is the favorite with a 40% chance to win the group, 70% chance to advance. In second is our team, Poland, 33% chance to win, 60% chance to advance. In third, Senegal, 16% chance to win, 37% to advance. And Japan, 11% to win, 33% to advance. But... I'm going to read 538's analysis of the group and also tell you that 538, based on their whatever soccer power index or whatever, has the the um, values a little differently. They rate Colombia uh, basically exactly the same at 70%, and Senegal, uh, they demote a little bit. They demote them down to 30%, but they really demote Poland, and they really increase Japan. So the way 538 oh, sees it, Colombia 70%, Senegal 30%, and Poland and Japan are just 50-50 to get out of the group. So, the 538 analysis. The Polish could be the most likely team from Pot 1 to fail to qualify for the knockout stage, as they currently have the second lowest SPI rating of any team from Pot 1. They'll be joined by Colombia and Japan, which have a 70% and 49% chance of advancing to the knockout stage, respectively. This means that Group H is the only group that has three teams with at least a 49% chance of making it out of the group stage. With the Colombians ranked the ninth best team in the tournament and the Japanese being one of the highest ranked teams of any team from Pot 4, Poland faces one of the toughest tests of any Pot 1 team. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's sort of a sneaky, tough group because that Japan draw is actually a really tough one. And Senegal is not, not a pushover either. I mean, we talked about how hard it is to qualify out of Africa. Like... Like you got to slog through that. And I think African teams always do, maybe not always, I don't know this, but like they seem to do better, I think, because of it. Um, It's a tough group, but it's also kind of a fun group too. I kind of like it. It doesn't have any of the traditional European powerhouses, which I think it it will probably get less media attention than other groups, but does make it kind of interesting. So this group does seem to your point. This group is probably an afterthought for I think most people because it, it it doesn't it's not only that it doesn't have European it doesn't have really any powerhouses, right? The odds of this group producing a winner 
is very low. Yeah, it's probably very low. But it, this is a fun group. I mean, if you're rooting for any of these teams, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I don't know how great that is for Poland, but it's... Uh, yeah, it's a group... Yeah, right. If we were just rating the groups on their own, not thinking about it from the team perspective, it is a group that has a lot of parity. Yeah, and their schedule is... Uh, they play Senegal first, they play Colombia second, and they play Japan third. Yeah, I mean, Poland might be, you know, this might be one of those groups where it doesn't really matter what the schedule is, because to be the team that, to ensure advancement, you have to win two of your games. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think this is a fun group. Maybe it's a little bit of a tough draw for Poland, but but not really. There's a lot of tough, tough pot two teams that they could have been with. I think it's like a six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. Two categories left, Joe. The anthem or the player to watch. Let's see what we got. We have category 11. The national anthem. All right. The national anthem is entitled Poland is not yet lost. Ooh, that's kind of a downer name for an anthem. Origin story. The Polish national anthem was written in July and of course, this comes from uh, fan emeritus super supporter Tony PhD. The Polish national anthem was written in July 1797 in Reggio near Bologna by Joseph Wybicki, one of the organizers of General John Henrik Dabrowski's Polish army in Italy. Dabrowski's Mazurker. <laughs> this is like. It's an unbelievable tongue twister. Dabrowski's Mazurka, expressing the idea that the nation of Poland, despite lack of independence, would still exist as long as the Polish people are still alive and fighting in its name. An exemplar of the European March Anthem, lots of marching and war, it became one of the most popular patriotic songs in Poland. The lyrics, independence, but specifically uniting a diaspora of the Polish people. The lyrics mentions all of the countries and invaders that have altered the territorial borders of Poland, and they are sick of it. (laughs) Poland has not yet died, so long as we still live. When the alien power has seized from us, we shall recapture with a saber. After the Swedish partition, march, march. We'll cross the Vistula. We'll cross the Warta. We shall be Polish. The German nor the Moscovite will settle. All exclaim in unison, enough of this captivity. Fun facts. The song was played in protest at the UN when a Polish delegation was not invited to the signing of the charter. At the inauguration of the UN in 1945, no delegation from Bolwan had been invited. The Polish pianist, Artur Rubinstein, who was to perform the opening concert at the inauguration, sat down to the piano and played Poland is not yet lost loudly and slowly, repeating the final part in a great thunderous forte. When he had finished, the public rose to their feet and gave him a great ovation. And here we go. I'm ready.
Dan, that was it. I I felt like marching. Didn't you? It sounds to me so much like the Jewish songs. Like I, I feel <laughs> like they're. I mean, obviously, this has like more of a uh, rah rah thing to it. But yeah, I mean, maybe it's just Polish. Just sounds so Jewish to me. No, I think that w- yeah, that is the melody for a don't alone. I think so. Is it? <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty darn close. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, but like it shows you how much there's Polish influence on on our current Jewish traditions and vice versa, probably yeah. too. Yeah. Um, is that song as good as the amazing Uruguayan national anthem? No. It is kind of is, repetitive. It, it, that yeah. one. That one. They can easily shorten to 45 seconds. You don't really miss anything. Totally. Is it is the story as good as the Costa Rican national anthem? Of course not. But I feel like, to a degree, though, this is what I've been waiting for with national anthems, that I like that it is very old. This is, this is a old national anthem. It's been around for a while. And the other thing that I will say I like about it it has a fucking point of view. It's not just saying our country is great. Like you could not take this national anthem and replace the name of the country and make it like the, the Senegal and national anthem. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is it's, specifically it's Polish shouting out other countries that have invaded them. Yeah. Saying yeah. we'll fight you off. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not even passive aggressive. It's just aggressive aggressive. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I like that it has a point. I like that it has a purpose. It's saying, stop invading us. And the song itself is like a deterrent. So the people are thinking of invading them, and they're like, yeah, I mean, they're right next to us, but like, have you heard they're an anthem? Like, they're going to reclaim that territory. That's a very good point. It's it's a little bit like, actually, it's, it's exactly like this. It's like, at a certain point, people are going to stop wanting to date Taylor Swift because if you date Taylor Swift, you know that when she breaks up with you, she's going to write a song about it. Yeah. So yeah. like Poland's basically saying, look, do we have to fucking add you to the list of countries that we're going to be fucking singing about in our national anthem? You don't yeah, want that. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Because even if you get the land, you're going to be in this anthem and, you know. And you'll be it, in it forever. Is it yeah. worth it? It can't be. I mean, I mean, just just like dating Taylor Swift, it can't be worth it. I like it. As we talk about it more, I like that there's a point of view. Seven and a half out of ten. I like it. It's a great score for the category. Which is this one category left. We are a football podcast. And we'll now talk about football. (laughs) Top player to watch from super supporter, fan emeriti, David PhD. The player to watch is Arkadiaz Milik, who plays for SSC Napoli. He's 23 years old, striker, dynamic player with a good header, left-footed, was injured over the past months, but will have to take some weight off Robert Lewandowski's shoulders for Poland to have a successful tournament. He is a Man U fan and dreams of playing for them one day. He was the cover star of the Polish FIFA 16 version. Yes. In your game, FIFA 18, your beloved game, he, his skill is 79 and his potential is 86. Oh, that's great. That's unbelievable. David rates him 5 out of 10. I mean, look, we know Poland with Lewandowski. We know that Poland can produce a good striker. I'm watching this clip right now. This guy does have a nice header. What do you think about his number, 99? What a ostentatious number to pick. I love it. It's literally love it. the highest number you can possibly pick. I mean, unless they let you go to triple digits. 
yeah. which I don't know. I don't, I don't think, think so. they do. I mean, that would be ostentatious. What if someone was just like as many digits of pie as they could f- fit on the back of the jersey? I mean, what does the number actually matter in soccer? I mean, I know like the significance of uh, certain teams have, have numbers of, of significance. So, like the number 11 is always significant, but... Yeah, I mean, it, in in soccer, I mean, it matters more because it it's like sort of informally a designation of like the number 10 is like your superstar, right? The number 10 is, but also plays a certain role on your team. Even if, even if your best player is your center back, your center back's never going to be the number 10. Yeah. Sorry. I meant 10, not 11. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a football podcast. And like, you're supposed to have certain, but it, but it's less, but it's less formalized than in American football where like wide receivers have to be 80 through 89 or whatever, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, um, but you're, I don't know what, why you necessarily even need the numbers. I mean, the names are on the back now. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, I guess it matters so that they write down the, the number when they book somebody, but like, what's the difference? They could just write down their name or like guy with the fuzzy hair, like this <laughs> yeah. guy I'm looking at. Uh, I mean, is the idea that they're going to book somebody and then later in the game, the guy's going to be like, you never booked me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it is a problem where you have like, you know, like all these Portuguese countries that have like five different Ronaldos running around. Yeah, yeah. Like or Sweden Ronaldo, where Ronaldinho, it's all oh. Johansson. Yeah. Like I mean, 10 out of the 11 players. Definitely Sweden needs numbers for the Johansson problem. But I feel like the ref could just remember it. Or they could just like ask somebody who's watching on TV and be like, who did I book earlier? Yeah. Like, because... I, what's the worry that like you're gonna book somebody a red card and the guy's gonna like run off the field and they'll like s- sneak back on the field and just play? <laughs> I mean, I think I, I'm sure it's happened before, right? Because also, uh, why don't guys just f- switch out jerseys and just be like, "Up, oh, I got booked with a yellow card." Hey, like, hey, let's switch jerseys. I'll be this number, you be that number. It's true. The refs are too busy to look at your face. I just now picture Harry Kane walking around wearing a uh, San jersey, like because he because he got a red the card. numbers are stupid. Like even in NFL football, it's stupid. Like the whole concept of numbers, like in NBA basketball, that like refs signal to the the person who the foul is on by saying their number. They just as easily could say the name. Like okay, I wonder. Let me just let me just lay out uh, some thinking for you though. What if the number has less to do with the fans or the refs or the commentator, but it has to do with the other players on the field. So like if you're trying to mark Harry Kane, it's like if, if you're out on the pitch and you know, maybe it's rainy out or whatever, it's hard to read the back of the Jersey, but it's easy to see the giant number 10. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That actually might be a good point. If you're playing a team you're unfamiliar with, yeah, the number is probably going to be more useful to you until you, you know, later in the game when you really are like, are familiar with uh, all the different yeah, people. Yeah, and you're thinking about it, I think, with these, like, super celebrity players. But, like, to go out there and be like, oh, you're, you know, you're marking Johansson. You'd be like, oh, well, thanks a lot. Like, but you say, like, oh, you're marking number seven. It's easy. I, I mean, that's why the U.S. lost to Trinidad and Tobago. They they didn't talk about any of this. They just were like, oh, we'll figure <laughs> no, it out. They had no plan. They're like, yeah, whatever. We're going to go win. Yeah. yeah. Player to watch. Six and a half out of ten. Leaving us with one final category, Joe. The drink. What did you think of your, you were just drinking vodka. I was drinking the proper drink. I like drinking vodka. I'd love to be dipping a spread eagle bagel on, you know, in this. Uh, I'd love a spread eagle right uh, now. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Uh, I'm excited when I come down to San Francisco to try this 
this bison grass vodka. That's right. That's right. Oh my god, we'll we'll do some live podcasting down yep. in, in my studio. But in general, it's a good drink. Six out of ten. Six. You don't even have the drink. <laughs> yeah, but i i enjoyed I enjoyed my vodka as a six out of ten. I would have given it more than six out of ten, but. What little difference it would make. I mean, for Poland, it's very clear the food and drink department is there. They're doing great. They're they're doing good. The rest of it, not so much. They uh, they total out 53.5 or (laughs) 4.86 per category, which puts them below Australia at 4.83, who you said no to. Puts them below Morocco at 5.18, you said no to. And it puts them a little bit above Russia, who they were at four and a half, who you said no to. So, you know, you know, I'm rival. kind of disappointed because I came into this episode thinking, I don't know much about Poland. And then right off the bat, as we're talking about this team, too good or too bad. We're talking about like, they're on the rise. Uh, you, you know, I have some historical family heritage there. I'm thinking, okay, maybe maybe Poland's kind of a sleeper pick here. And then, you know, it just went downhill quickly. So, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to say Nazdrovia to Poland and bid it farewell. Oh, boy. Joe, you march on Poland. You do anything back. They're coming for you. Just to spite you, they're now going to win the Wait. World Cup. Are they going to add me to their song? <laughs> Boy, we could use the marketing. We could really use it. <laughs> if you if you I'm, get a mention in that, you get a huge bump to your tourism. And fuck you, Joe Mizrahi. <laughs> You're not a true pole. Although you've got a little pole in you. That does not that sounds dirty. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Look. We've all got a little pole in us as we're having our spread Stop eagles. It. Stop. Stop. All right. All right, this is going to be a uh, adults-only podcast from now on. And that concludes the first <laughs> half of our doubleheader. I, c- I can only imagine what's in store for the second half. What's in store is Argentina. And for anybody who's listened this long, God bless you. You're, You're a, a member. Fan. Go to joepickspod.com slash international lounge. You are welcome into the, the, uh, the <laughs> what would it be? I don't know what you're trying to say. You hear this sound? That's the glass <laughs> ceiling breaking. You're in. You're now a VIP member. Congratulations. We need to pick five more teams for our next round, but I guess we'll do that at the end of our doubleheader. We'll do that we're next all, time. Well, we're all drunk. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. And also, um, people should email us at whatever our email is. Yeah. World Cup at JoePickSpot.com. Boy, what a... Polish ending to this uh, podcast. And that's it, Joe. On to the, the next one. All right. Thanks, Dan. See ya. Mm-hmm.